three, two, one. Welcome to Circuit and Gear, podcast about scenic automation and other cool tech. I'm Cody. I'm Christian. I'm Harry. And I'm Mike. Welcome to Automation. So we're working on the brand new Stagehand Pro 5, and we've had a bunch of stuff all kind of coming together to get ready for launch. Um, but before we did that, we had like yet another round of testing. Yeah. Uh, right, Christian, that you yeah. guys went up, um, up right. to Boston. Yeah, because so originally a couple, and I think we talked about it a couple, I guess months is how we do this, a couple months ago. <laughs> we talked about mm-hmm. taking the, uh, the Spotline V2 to... Where did we go? RISD. URI. URI. Yep. Uh, taking the Spotline V2 down to URI to do some actual half travel, full weight, full speed moves to see how things were going to shake out. Yeah. And that was like, uh, in our all of our internal words, we're like, yeah, it's going to be Spotline testing, right? Right. And we'll bring the new E800 yeah. chance yeah. along. Yeah. yeah. And so we went to URI. We did the testing. Spotlight performed perfectly. And <laughs> and we were like, oh, I guess this is drive testing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so we um, we didn't run into problems because we had a little inkling that the breakering resistor was going to be the wrong sized. And we ran headfirst into that problem and proved out the Spotlight V2 was good. Learned right. what questions we needed answers to on the drive side and mm-hmm. then a couple weeks had passed we put a plan together and then we went up to boston to the huntington yeah. and we uh started trying to answer those questions so the big question really being what size braking resistor do we need because it turns out you know through our empirical testing that uh i don't want to say we lucked into it but the Spotline V1 was designed perfectly to use that 10% uh, duty cycle brake <laughs> resistor that we put in the Pro. Right. Yeah. Between the drum sizing, like uh, yep. for capacity, just for, you know, I think it has 75 feet of travel mm-hmm. um, and can lift 500 pounds. Yeah. And for the new Spotline V2, it's got 750 pounds of capacity and like a uh, hundred foot usable travel, travel on the drum yeah. so it's got to be able to descend further and with more right. load um which and, and that's the recipe for needing a bigger brake resistor is more travel more load going fast yeah <laughs> going down uh, <laughs> going down yeah 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 so uh so we ordered a hundred percent duty cycle brake resistors so we could a big big Big, big brake resistor. Big brake resistor. <laughs> yeah, like a whole nother Real rack. Big. Yeah, massive <laughs> and heavy, very heavy as well. Yep. Um, so yeah, so like everything we're saving in like height from like Pro Four to Pro f- from Pro Three to Pro Four, like the two U's or whatever we cut out of there, we added three back in brake resistor yeah. and uh, <laughs> to do this testing, and because uh, they have they graciously let let us use their space to do uh we were there for like four days doing testing where we were just running like 75 or 80 feet or something how what was uh, the it was only 50 is what we ended up doing for our cycling um because you know we have the the weight stack the weight stack up adding taking away a couple feet and then the trying not to run it into their uh 
new battens and right. all of that. <laughs> so, because did you guys you guys brought the spot line up to the grid? Yeah, and then went straight so, off the drum down. Yeah, so uh, we took uh, Bo, Brian, and um, oh, I'm gonna forget his name. That's unfortunate. They listen to this. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the the staff there, the Huntington, not Adam. Um, Mike. I don't. I don't. I don't remember. I. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so it took the apologies, three of them apologies. to to muscle it around the spot line V one, the spot line V two, and a smart chain hoist um, up around on the grid, and it was straight off. Yeah. Um, kind of how you would actually probably be mounting this thing, which was great to be able to test that. Because there was a right. little bit of question from the last time at URI when we, we were just ratchet strapped to two mafia blocks was our mounting method of the yeah. of the spot line, which worked great mostly. Uh, there was a little bit of flex in yeah. the great ratchet strap scheme of <laughs> 2023. Yeah, yeah it was... Yeah. It was a little sketchy at first. I mean, the first round it was like, "Ooh," and then we added some more and we did some stuff to like mitigate it, but there was yeah. a, there was a brief moment of like, mm. <laughs> there's a little give there. We should yeah, add a couple more ratchet straps, realign it, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. So, we didn't have those problems this time. Um so they were able to take it all the way up to the grid and rigidly attach it. Um which was great. And then uh we spent a couple of days just cycle testing you know, Spotline V2, Spotline V1, and uh, chain motor. So we had some comparison points, and through all that testing, we we came to the conclusion of we want a 75% uh, uh, duty cycle braking resistor. And right. for Stagehand Pro 5, for being able to work with chain motors, it'll work good. And for the Spotline V2, it'll work good, which those are going to be the two hardest use cases right kind of like the worst case scenarios right uh, right because yeah. the because the breaker resistors are there to suck up all of the extra voltage right as right. it's as we're descending a load and trying to keep control of the load right the motor's acting like a generator it is it is turned into a generator yeah. and it's stuffing a whole bunch of voltage back right to the vfd yeah right. and what's the we, vfd got to do with it it's got to turn it into something right yeah and it's heat but the internal brake resistor on the VFDs are small, very small, yeah, and very insufficient for the for the loads and the speeds that we're talking about. Yeah, so typically we've been using a ten percent Mitsubishi one and has worked great up until this point. Right. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like the jump, you're like, oh, yeah. it's always it's been working for so long this way. What do we probably need? Like a twenty percent? You're like, no, no, <laughs> it, it needs dramatically more uh, <laughs> capacity. Because the other interesting thing about the use case which we don't typically... So, like, I've been deep in brake resistors for a little bit now, so <laughs> I'm going to go into the weeds just a little bit. But, uh, so, typically, this uh, the spot line and the chain motor, they kind of operate in what they're, what's known as, like, an overhauling scenario, which is kind of like what cranes do, which is basically it goes up and then it comes down, and it's going to constantly do that. Uh, and so, like, in those scenarios, typically recommend a minimum of a 50% duty cycle brake resistor because half the time you're going up and half the time you're coming down. Right. And so like just like the rule of thumb is to use like a 50% and you don't have to think about it too much. You can obviously get away with much smaller as we have been. But now (laughs) 
That's not the case. Yeah. So yeah, jumping from ten to seventy-five. You're right. Yeah, it's a big jump, but yeah, I mean, I think the we had just recently started running into it on the um some chain hoist gigs that had like the extended capacity yeah. on the half tons, and they were really using the full throat of like the full extent yeah. of the chain bag yeah. and we're like oh this is interesting yeah. and then as soon as we designed the spotline v2 we we're like you know running the numbers on you know how much can we fit in the frame without growing excessively and yep. what can we do with the motor so we're like oh we get more you know some more torque to get in there if we do it a certain way and we can get more capacity and all of a sudden like the two things kind of lined up i think <laughs> within a few weeks of each other at yeah. the shop with the new spotline v2 coming online like in prototype phase and yep. one of the gigs that went out we we're like oh <laughs> yeah okay yeah cool we got to do something here yeah right because uh chain motors are I guess the kind of the current one that can cause the problem. I guess technically you could probably get it just right in super specific conditions for the Spotline V1, mm-hmm. but that rarely, if ever, has come up in the since its inception. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I've seen one of those. We've seen it a few times on the on the chain hoist. Yeah, when we've been at capacity or just over. Yeah, because mm-hmm. and that being the other thing too is it's typically when the chain motors are grouped lifting some giant ass a giant piece of scenery yeah or led (laughs) wall or something super heavy right Mm -hmm. yeah right yeah because that's also the tricky thing with the chain hoist when they're in a group state is like you know you can in your brain go like oh you know i got six chain hoists and you got x amount of weight and so you know divide by six and everything's good but like it's not it's not how it actually really how it works yeah yeah Yeah, reading math doesn't work out that way yeah it doesn't actually work that way um and so that's when you can especially run it. Like if it's a slightly overloaded hoist and a long travel. that Going yeah, fast. It, yeah. Yeah. So we were finally able, though, to answer those questions by going up to uh, to the Huntington and, and running these tests. And so we have now settled on a braking resistor spec, so 75% duty cycle. And we have also right. now settled on which one. Mm-hmm. And Cody was able to actually fit it into the new Pro 4 and shrink it. So... That's pretty yeah. exciting. Or sorry, the Pro 5. The, the Pro 5. The Pro 5. The new Pro oh, 5. Geez. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty exciting Like, because we kind of had to quickly churn out the new case design mm-hmm. um, for the Pro 5. Which looks badass, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is awesome. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, like, it, it was like an incremental idea of, like, you know, I think of, probably a little more than a year ago you're like oh what if we use the e800 what would the case look like and like while i was on site sitting through a tech i like on my laptop made up a new uh, one a new one and kind of shrank it down Mm -hmm. i was like oh yeah we could probably get to 6u and you know and started playing with some of those things and then you know we were talking about timeline for trying to get it ready for usitt and then there was like a moment where i was like well you know we still have to design the whole case and blah 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 and i was like oh i mean i think it's like Pretty much, pretty done. much done. Yeah, because <laughs> I just <laughs> kind of did this. it uh, and like showed it off, and like everyone kind of like looked at it briefly and was like, "Oh yeah, well yeah." And then I had a little bit of notes list of like things to clean up and kind of ideas. Um, mm-hmm. The finish. Yeah, to like to round it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so we like I think within a week of yeah maybe in half a week it was kind of done and we submitted it to Protocase to to make the case up. But um, but there was this big looming question about brake resistor. Because like when yeah. we're talking about adding three U's worth of space for a brake resistor, that's no joke. Like, yeah, that's these brake resistors are massive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, there was a few break resistors that were thrown around. It was either like it has to get dramatically deeper, which is mm-hmm. already immediately is already gets hard because we like had shrank the overall height of the right stagehand. So we had like less to grip on the front rails of your rack when it's racked up. So we need to like either add a rear rack mount or beefier front rack mounts. And it was like, oh, geez. Oh, God. And then like <laughs> once the testing was done, there was like kind of like a one day grace period like yeah christian came back from testing on a friday we spoke at like 4 30 and he was like i don't know i think i gotta run the numbers like i'm not sure if we can shrink by much so it might be this big long one it's like right. okay we can commit to it and then monday morning like 9 10 yeah <laughs> yeah like nine o'clock or something like that gareth called me he was like hey christian tells me that we can shrink the brake resistor down because like on saturday when we were here working on the, the turntable thing it was like yeah oh yeah christian cr- did crunch the numbers and he thinks we can get away with the smaller one i was yeah. like hell yeah and so i like 30 minutes like beauty of parameterized uh, yeah shrunk it down I, and i mean i literally yeah i changed two parameters and it shrank the whole case down <laughs> nice just pretty awesome <laughs> uh and then sent it out for order um and that you know got it i think down from I forget what the depth was, but it, it was like three inches shorter at the end of it um, yeah. on the depth and still only six feet tall. So. Right, because then you also made this fantastic graphic, which I hope we at some point show off in some of the marketing, right? But it's like shorter oh, than yeah. the Pro 4, like depth-wise, oh, yeah. shorter than the Pro 4 yeah. in both depth and height, right? Yeah. Or is it... So it's shorter by 2U than the Pro 3, okay. but I think it's like th- three inches or something deeper. Okay. Um, but the Pro Four was like only it was one U shorter, but then yep. I think it was like an inch and a half, even more than the current Pro Four. Yeah. So it, like gotcha. between the two, we like shrank in all the directions. Like going from Pro Four, four to Five, we yeah. like shrank in both dimensions, and like also kind of put it inside pull stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But like we shaved a bunch of pen features out. We like changed out our like hinge for the front hinge, and we like did a bunch oh, of things yeah. to try to like reduce the cost because like i went back and i looked at the pro 3 case cost Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i looked at the new pro 4 case Mm -hmm. and i mean it was i don't know three four years or something like that so you know there was some like material pretty dramatic material cost increases and stuff that seemed pretty natural but like we had just ballooned in cost on just the enclosure alone and like you're like yeah wait what did we do what (laughs) how did this get so much more expensive like you know that's not like i don't think our customer is always like yeah i i like the stagehand but what i want is a fancier case you know like i don't think anyone really cares about that bunch of those features is like that yeah and they'll never take advantage of like they don't care that the pems are there or right for the most part don't care about a hinged front which I don't know, being somebody who works on stagehands when they're in Iraq, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's yeah. there's certainly a moment, right? Like if you've ever troubleshot it and had to pop it open to get to the inside, a big deal. Right. But yeah. Pro three, you'd have to unplug everything, pull it out of the rack, you know, unscrew all the rack screws, yeah. pull it out to lay the face panel down. And right. then starting with Pro Four, we started adding hinges and like independent little rack ears on the side to like, that's what's holding it on to like the chassis to the, you know, your rack. And then the front panel folds down, like hinges down. The Um, handles aren't attached to the sides of the case. They're just on the face plate. So you don't have to take the handles out to open it. Right. Yeah. And so I think it's like, you know, five screws or something like that to 
pull the front face panel down as opposed to it used to be like i think eight plus four quarter 20s it was yeah. like it was a lot it was a lot of screws and stuff it's yeah. like um, 10 and two tools yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it had to be out of the rack yeah mm-hmm. uh so we didn't want to give that up but i was like well maybe i can find an off-the-shelf hinge that we can like you know get pre-powder coated to then go into the assembly so we can like right. shave a bunch of costs from you know our sheet metal vendor from having to do all that work mm-hmm. um and you were able to find one yeah yeah we were able to shave like and then yeah we just like got rid of like i mean i think the front panel now has zero pem features and it had like 28 before <laughs> okay <laughs> um, <laughs> i don't know yeah, i don't uh, know where we're saving any money on that one yeah. <laughs> yeah so i went pretty hack and slash through the whole model and design was just like wait wait this is this thing that we attach one time and it sits there forever yeah oh and we're you know getting up charge for the process to like add a pem for that you know yeah thing. we don't need that we don't need to add that we can... yeah we don't need that yeah which I guess I I think probably some of our listeners know what a PEM uh thing it, what a PEM nut or something is, but it's it's this sheet metal part that is like press fit into the sheet metal. So mm-hmm. as opposed to um like trying to drill and tap through the very thin sheet metal, it's like uh, a press punches these like little nuts or standoffs or threaded features into the sheet metal. Is it like a weld nut? It's where you're like, basically it's like a weldless. A it's like a weldless weld nut sort of situation. So yeah. they use, so you drill the right size hole and then they just like punch with an immense amount of pressure and it kind of like uh, deforms the steel yeah. in a way that becomes like once it's pressed in, it can't come out. Yeah. Um, and they're awesome. And like, if we were going to have to drill and tap all these holes, it would be Cheaper a real win on yep. <laughs> yeah. to go that way. But when it's, you know, hey, the person that's like, you know, assembling the stagehand on our, you know, benches is going to have like, you know, instead of going into a tapped hole in this PEM nut, mm-hmm. they just have to put a nut on the other side. <laughs> And then it's right. kind of done and, yeah. you know, dramatically cheaper. Um, so And some of the things like our power supply is, does not make a lot of allowances for mounting <laughs> and mm-hmm. and being able to have like the nut on the other side. It's going to be much easier to install it. Right. So it even yeah. helps in some of the process. Yeah. So any of the ones that we really need, like I think my kind of guiding light on it was like, if it's something that you may reasonably have to do while the case is is like in completely enclosed and racked up like mm-hmm. any of the connectors like i can see a reasonable world where you just want to like check the phasing or meter you know whatever check the connection and not mm-hmm. have to open the case up You're like mm-hmm. okay well any of those things should be through pem features because that's mm-hmm. like a serviceable potentially serviceable component on the case yep. but like the, the rack ears uh-huh. the handles yeah. the circuit breaker uh mounting features like all of those things it's like we Doesn't do that once yeah. and no one ever touches them <laughs> yeah so let's just add some star washers and nuts you know so that we get good grounding throughout and we do it once and carry on <laughs> like yeah um so then you were able to dramatically I don't know dramatically, but you were able to really bring down the price in the case and then also the the size in the case, right? So it's now yeah. 6U. 6U, yeah. Which, I don't know, that seems pretty exciting because you can fit four stagehands in a 24U rack. Yeah, and it's, it's now it's only 16 and a half inches deep too, yeah. which like briefly it was going to be like 19 <laughs> or something crazy because yeah. of the brake resistors. That'll, um, that'll come up. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, which we'll talk about a little later when it comes to some <laughs> stuff that uh, Mike ran into. Yeah. 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 So it's pretty cool. I mean, so between that, the case came in 
yesterday and uh yep. like kate's already started working on the wire schedule like i kicked off this morning with um kate and lucas and brian on like starting production on the first one which is mm-hmm. you know uh, kind of yeah it's super cool like it's a prototype and the first roll in that we'll have uh at usitt um yeah to check out but yeah it, yeah it's pretty exciting it's like it's I would say from a feature set perspective, it's pretty revolutionary. Like it's pretty great. It's pretty like lots of new stuff, but from like a production perspective, it's pretty like incremental step from the pro four, which is also kind of cool. Right. It doesn't have to be this giant new process on the, on the production floor. Mm -hmm. And it's just right. Keep wiring it the same, you know, keep doing Mm -hmm. everything pretty much the same. And then, but you're about to get a lot of new features out of it. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. One funny one thing that came up was uh, I posted up like a little post in Basecamp uh, Mm -hmm. internally of like, hey, here's all the new quick hit features that like, it's not necessarily like what all the customers will care about, but it'll be the things that we care about in production of things that we're going to notice that are different. Um, yeah. And throwing these things out to either, you know, uh, I think for the most part, it was just kind of an announcement, but, you know, also like, here's the moment. If if any of these are really bad ideas to you, right. please speak now. Now is the time to, to, to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one of them that came out was uh, some of the production folks were like, hey, actually this the brake test leds and switches like the leds break all the time and we hate them yep and the wiring is really tedious yeah like can is there anything we can do about that and i was like oh christian i think both just like as soon as we saw it we're both immediately very excited because yeah you know like hey actually we solved that problem yeah yes we like (laughs) a couple months back we're like hey like what if we don't have any of those things uh, right. as discrete buttons. We're switching to this new super fancy graphic uh, OLED screen where we can do yeah. anything we want. We can draw all sorts of shapes and and letters and numbers and everything. Is what if we use that fancy new screen and the buttons on it mm-hmm. to do the brake test instead of these blinding LED laser lights <laughs> and yeah. uh, discrete buttons? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we got rid of in the way in the ways before we had a very uh, specifically made brake test PCB that was handling mm-hmm. those brake signals that then ran to you know the drive sixty millimeter buttons, three buttons, and three sets of LEDs that then like that's how that all happened, right? Uh, to then run to the drive to run the brake test, and now no more brake test PCB, no more buttons, no more LEDs. Like all of that just right. happens right on the stagehand card. Because also worth pointing out too is like, so we had already, so originally we were like, yeah, let's get rid of the brake test PCB. We'll add that to the new stagehand card, but we were still Mm going to use the discrete buttons and LEDs. And then when I started actually writing the code for it, I was like, what if we just got rid of those also? And then, right, you posted a a thing that was like, what if we got rid of the buttons? Or no, you said, what if we got rid of the lights? And And then I responded, I was like, I like that idea. What about if we also get rid of the buttons? Then all of a sudden, I think everyone was like, Oh, yeah, yes. we should do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's pretty exciting. Like the new platform of the stagehand card is is just between the screen and the processing power is just like, oh, yeah, we can do lots of really cool new things now, like yeah. right on the right card the itself. Card. Yeah. And the newest batch of those are on their way. We should see beginning of next week. Right. Yeah. To be built into the the, the prototype pro five here and then. Mm hmm shipped off to use it for everybody to be able to see and touch yeah yeah it's gonna be pretty exciting because i mean between 
the stagehand, the new stagehand pro and the spotline and all the cool stuff that you've been working on in spike mark, like to connect all those things. Like it's going to be pretty awesome. Like it's a pretty sweet showing of some cool stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I think everybody's really going to like it because also the stuff in spike mark, which I'm not going to talk about now. You're going to have to come see it, Uh, (laughs) see it for yourself. But, Everybody will be able to take advantage of some of those features, not just people buying the newest uh, Pro 5. Yeah, yeah, it's killer. It's killer to add those features and yeah. have uh, have some ability to keep to use them with existing equipment. It won't be quite as cool because now you're getting the you can have separate deceleration and you can change mm-hmm. those on the fly. But there's a couple features in Spike Mark that you're still going to be able to take advantage of that are going to be. I don't know. I think they're super cool, and I think people are going to really like them. And it's going to really help illustrate what's happening in a move. Yeah. Right. We'll go. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty cool. We can talk about it next month. Yeah, we'll talk about <laughs> it next month. <laughs> right. You can see it next month yeah. before we talk about it. Yeah, at USITT. Booth 339? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, all three of us will be there. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. So I think that was that was pretty much the big development stuff we've been working on uh this yeah. month and last month and all of that. And then uh but Mike, you've uh you've been on the road a little bit and you're doing an install, right? Uh, yeah, well, so we were going to yeah, it was uh um yeah, it was out last week I was out in two states, two places. It's very exciting. Uh-huh. Um I started out actually in Michigan at MSU to do some training nice. with their staff. Yeah, to look at, talk about Spike Mark and use their use some of their existing gear mm-hmm. and some of the new gear that they purchased. Like, I don't know, in like 2020, like at the in the throes of the pandemic. Uh-huh. Um, and um, and I don't know. Yeah, and it was uh, unfortunately the training got the training got sidelined because there was there was some stuff that happened at the msu campus while i was there um and so that kind of threw the seminar plan into the like into the into the shredder yeah on the you know it's like we couldn't do it in person um so i turned around and i don't know this came up at like eight o'clock the night before and mm-hmm. in the hotel room like polishing up the slideshow <laughs> and look at it and then it was like oh well i guess i'm gonna polish up the rest of the slideshow by throwing this out and starting again because i'm going to be doing this just (laughs) on the computer yeah just on zoom so i i had this great development of being able to you know do a a seminar from my hotel room Uh um it it is a bummer to get out there and be like finally we're gonna get some hands-on training just to do some more zoom (laughs) training which is what we've been doing for several years. <laughs> yeah. Um but you know, but I actually think out of all of it it was it turned out to be reasonably successful. We managed to also like the day I arrived, we managed to have some hands-on time looking at a couple of their their um home-built machines or their mm-hmm. custom machines and one of them's a lift and another they have a deck winch and they have a a revolver and a stagehand apprentice. And so we kind of got a chance to look at all those in real life and mm-hmm. then uh, the TD and I managed to sneak back into the scene job in the afternoon uh, and got a little more time to do some work there. So that was exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never been to Lansing, to MSU. That is a huge campus. That's like mm. 45,000 students or something. Oh, my God. 
I mean, <laughs> like, where isn't the campus? Oh, it right. isn't. I don't know. Um, uh, but it was it was very cool. Um, so, you know, I'm glad we got there. It's, uh, you know, and got to do that. And then I went from there to Cincinnati to go see our friends at the Cincinnati Playhouse, who yeah. um, who are like, they are in the they are in the final run for trying to wrap up their massive construction project, which I think they're calling a renovation, but it looked like a whole new building. <laughs> um, and, uh, and they're, they're right at the end of it. You know, they're like the rigging guys, the rigging company was in installing the line sets and fire curtain and the seating was getting installed and they were, you know, it was a, it was a pretty chaotic construction zone. Okay. Um, but the reason that we were there is because they got, they bought a, a pile of um, uh, permanent install gear. Right. Pulled a bunch of cable through conduits. So they had like drive connections and control connections. And they had a rack full of equipment. You know, it's just upper base and patch panels and mm-hmm. um, hubs. And then they came up with some really cool, um, I think it was DW, the TD out there. He came up with a couple of really great um, rack setups. So he's got like a control station, the operator station, uh, which has the PC in it, a little fold-up monitor, an e-stop hub, um, and uh, and a UPS and a network switch. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, basically, mm-hmm. like, you can roll that wherever you need to and plug it into a control connection. And you have your whole little operator station. You have your whole operator mm-hmm. station set up. Nice. Um, oh, and it's got, cool. you know, the lids, like, clip onto the side so you don't, you have a table. Very nice, uh, very well thought uh-huh. out. It's a good, it's a good choice, um, and um, we love to see it. We love to see it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then they've got a couple other. Um, then they've got like a couple little setup boxes that have um, uh, just a network switch and a and an e-stop hub, so that they can drop that in at any of like the seven locations that they've got control connections through the mm-hmm. theater. So like in the trap room, a couple positions on stage, a couple positions on the mid gallery and up on the grid. Um, and it seems like a pretty cool, it's a pretty good distributed setup. Nice. Um, you know, we went in, they wanted us to come in to check the terminations and do all that. And, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and even, even with, even with toolless terminal blocks, there were still some, there were still some, still some, there's still some hurdles to overcome. Yeah. Um, they had a full line drawing and <laughs> a package of all of the connections they needed to make. And I only say that because I did them and I forgot that I had done them and you pinged me about something. And I was yeah. like, why are you asking me about this? And I was like, looked at the drawing. I was like, oh, that's your got name my is name on there. <laughs> like, oh, I did do yeah. that, didn't I? Yeah, they had a full line drawing that they 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 used as a guide, I would say. Inspiration. As an inspiration. Inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But, you know, but in the end of electrical jazz, you know. (laughs) Electrical jazz, yeah. You know, after after I got there, like the week before I got over there, the, the project manager had emailed me and asked me some very, like, very leading questions about how those panels, how the control connections were terminated, mm-hmm. and if it mattered which one went where. <laughs> some, some leading questions. I'm like, oh, yeah. now I see what's going on. <laughs> um, um, but it, you know, honestly, I was not so bad. Everything was, you know, 
everything went in pretty easy. It was a little bit of testing, but we have some cool, we have a cool tester for those, for our showstopper accessory um, connections. And so it's just a network, it's just a network tester. Yeah, we uh, right. adapted some, I don't know, it's this crazy little adapter thing. IRC's like, RJ45. Yeah, our, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a series of RJ45s that we can then just yep. use our the Fluke uh, network tester to to prove out that pin one goes to pin one. Yeah, yeah, right. and those, yeah, except for a couple of them, everything worked great. So, and then, yeah. um, but, um, but yeah, so it was a, you know, I mean, it was, it was good. I'm glad that we were there. That kind of got us through like our first day was kind of, you know, finding all the, finding all the mm-hmm. things, blowing the dust off everything, you know, right. adjusting some, adjusting some, uh, wiring irregularities, <laughs> uh, installing all the rack equipment because they had a, yeah. like a showstopper base in a, in a rack on the wall on the stage, an accessory hub, and then, um, an ESOP patch middle and an accessory patch middle to get the, the, all the cable pulled through the conduit into into our soldered or crimped connectors. Right. Right. Um, and uh, that had some trouble, didn't it? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine until we connected the cables on the back. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so as it turns out, um, the showstopper, when you measure the rack depth. Yeah. Right. For. I don't know, a stagehand, a showstopper base or a hub, mm-hmm. you should plug a cable in. Mm. And we need to measure that distance from the front of the rack ears to the back of the cable. Yeah. <laughs> Coming out of those connectors. Um, because it's a little bit more than than uh than just the depth of the uh of the accessory track. device. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of those like standard like swing frame racks kind of just just they look right but they're just a little bit short when you actually plug them up yeah so we put the showstopper terminators into the back Mm -hmm. and they worked Mm -hmm. but there was only about like a half an inch from the end cap on the terminator to the back wall of not uh, quite enough room for the bend radius of the cable yeah or or even the The cord grip or even the cord grip (laughs) 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 um and so, uh, so you know, we were like, well, what do we do? How mm-hmm. are we going to fix this? And, like, fortunately, the rack itself was mounted to the wall with some unistrut. Okay. So there was, like, an inch and five-eighths between the back of the rack and the, the concrete wall. wall. Yeah. Um, so it was like, well, I think that's going to do it. Get me my favorite grinder. <laughs> <laughs> so Open um, that bad boy up. Yeah. So, well, so when I was there, the, the shop paired me up with uh, with – one of their carpenters, Mike, and he was uh, one of their shop guys who's been there for a few years. And he, so I was like, okay, Mike, I got some good news and some bad news. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, you know, got a, got some tools, brought them over from the shop and mm-hmm. did our finest work to cut out the back of that rack. And um, yeah, yeah <laughs> we left a little, now there was some space. Now the rack <laughs> closes. Um Yeah. Yeah, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. And in this in this process too, as we were like starting to put stuff in the rack, and I was like, okay, so we need some jumper cables. Where are these? Where are the accessory jumpers? There should be some short cables, right? And mm-hmm. everybody was like, I don't know, man. I mean, they're all. We brought all that stuff over here. We totally brought it all over here. And I was like, I don't know where the. All right, like I'm gonna look. Is mm-hmm. like looking OTS. I'm like, all right, showstopper accessory, 18 right. inch. 
hey, why aren't there any on this? Why aren't there any on this sales order? Did we not yeah. send these? And uh, and then we came through, you know, like through the cacophony of silliness that happened. Right. We was like, oh, they got they got made, but they were just sitting on the rack. Yeah, just waiting, just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, so that was cool. I mean, it was, you know, it was fine. We were not, yeah. yeah they got made and shipped in our system, so it looked like we didn't have any, but they right. were just there, right? Yeah, they were just on, just the, like, yeah, on the show. You would ask for, like, some 18 inches, and someone was yeah. like, we got these six-footers, and it was like, yeah. if you send, Mike, those six-foot cables, <laughs> <laughs> he will end yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Brian, didn't he say, like, they were 15s or something? Didn't he say we had, like, a bunch of those? Yeah, some long yeah. ones. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. Um, like, but, like, but then it might as well send that. tails because I'm going to have to cut them and terminate them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> them. Right. Turns out, need them 18 inches. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so we got those, no problem, right? It got all fixed. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, and it didn't, we figured that out the f- end of the first day. So we got the gear, or I guess we figured out the second day. I don't know. Anyway, the gear got there. It was no, not a big deal. Uh-huh. Um, but then we went in to do, so part of this was also doing a little training with the, with the shop staff from, um, Cincinnati Playhouse just to like on all this new equipment, right? Because right. there's all new showstopper equipment. It's really kind of a whole new path to how to connect into the ESOP and the network from what they had been doing for right. years and years. Um, and they also had some new stagehands, right? And they had some new stagehands and they have a, a Spotline Mini. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so they mm-hmm. have like, they got three Spotlines and Stagehand Pro 4s. Yeah. And, um, and a Spotline Mini, and um, and so we, we like, so all the the whole shop was going to be there to do a couple hours of just training, you know, touching on stuff. So DW Sam, Mike, the whole shop crew, and then, um, they were all there, and uh, <laughs> we go to plug all the stuff in, and it was like, you know, first time we had to like find the tails to right. go to the to go to the company switch. Then we had to find the company switch that was turned that was actually connected. <laughs> So like I was, uh, it's like oh gosh, <laughs> all right, one thing after another. Um, but we finally got there, and it was like okay, cool. You know, here we are, like showing off all this stuff, and hopefully getting there. And like, um, and that was right about the time that I plugged the consulate in mm-hmm. to the control station. I was like, now why isn't the cool, why isn't the cool node ID transferring over to show in Spike Mark? Right, because they're all mm-hmm. showstopper four now. It's so. all showstopper four stuff, and I was like. Oh man, like maybe something's wrong with the consulate. So mm-hmm. I like plug consulate into, I plug the consulate into the other eStop hub. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't work, motherfucker. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> so supposed to be easy. So, so I like go and I like I plug it into the base, okay. just like in the rack. Yeah. I like go to the rack and just plug it into the base, and it works and it sends the signal. It does all the things. I was like, oh. <laughs> 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 and so I'm like, all right, well, sorry. So. All right, cool. Let's figure out what's going on. Like, it, right. it's probably not the consulate then. Yeah. Um, and I was like, all right, well, we're going to table that. We're going to do that after we get through the training. Yeah. So we go to the training. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just worked. And it totally just worked. The Spotlight Mini was perfect. Um, <laughs> and um, showed off some of the cool things on the Spotlight Mini, right? Like, you know, the cross groove and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then plugs in a Spotlight and a Pro as like showing a cross groove. Uh-huh. On the Pro 4. And a Spotline V1, which for those who know, 
doesn't have <laughs> that sensor, particular sensor. Yeah. Nope. It's like, ah, oh. it's like, well, let me check the other one just in case, right? Like maybe the other one. Nope. Other one's same. Ugh. All right. So, you know, we, so we go through the rest of the training and we do the stuff and it was fine. Uh-huh. As I was like, then, you know, we had to like, where the can bus wasn't working on, you know, we hadn't, uh, what was it? The can wasn't terminated. Yeah. On the two, on our e-stop hubs. Yep. Um, and it was just a switch. Thankfully, it's a switch. Right. And when you're, so with can, you need um, uh, resistors on the far end of the bus. Um, and basically what that's doing is that is attenuating reflection in the cable. So the longer it is, the more attenuation you can have and the more reflection, which basically you can think of it as, you know, getting to the end of the cable, hitting the end of the cable and bouncing back. And right. so adding these terminating resistors absorbs that. And that resistance is like there's a recommended value. However, depending on length and cable gauge and connections and all that, that could be different. So mm-hmm. on the at circuit board, we provisioned it so you can have the escape hatch of on-site. Like, oh, the I'm going to say it's 120 ohm. I don't know if that's right. Uh, resistance is wrong. You can flip the switch and put in any and just put in a resistor of any size. Mm-hmm. And turns out these ones didn't have the that that switch flip switch, switch to yeah, the yeah. Uh, connected. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, fortunately, it was an easy fix, right? I mean, it was like, it was fine to, you know, and, um, but, you know, it was like, it was like that. And then, then to the spot lines and having to install the cross groove jumper, which is also super easy. It's right. just all RJ45s on the back of the signal cable. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, but getting into that J box is a pain. Is, yeah, mm-hmm. some like, it definitely, you know, it's it's definitely exciting by yourself with the hoists on a pallet. <laughs> um, and, um, but, you know, but we got all those. I mean, fortunately, I got to, I got to flex my new RJ45 crimper the first exciting. time in the exciting. field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was good. Um, but I think that's also an interesting point, though, it's to bring up. Because I think this is going to start coming up for people as they yeah. get yeah. Pro 4s, well, well, some Pro 4s, but then the Pro 5, where it's like your old spot line, well, your old machine is yeah. now going to register that it has a cross screw. Right. It's going to require mm-hmm. some, some attention. Yeah, some steps, right? And so we've like we've hit it now internally, all of our, we're jumping those cross groove signals on all the machines. Yep. Um, but, you know, but it definitely is something that we should keep in mind. Yeah. As we're yeah. looking, I think potentially we're going to just maybe, you know, tape a couple of cross groove jumpers to all the to the side of all the Pro 5s that we send out. Uh-huh. So you can put yeah. in your old uh, J-boxes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, a small handful. I mean, it's it seems very similar to the world of the uh, drive jumpers of the... Yeah, the uh, resistors. Yeah. yeah, the resistors that we used to add in. You're like, hey... We do this now. You're going to want these jumpers. It's like, yeah. yeah, we've done our best to keep the cabling as consistent as possible, which I think everyone likes. But every right. once in a while, you run into these speed bumps, which is just now you've got some new features running to yeah. <laughs> places that they are not being utilized. So, yeah, we end up having to add some some jumpers. But Yeah, and it's important to keep in mind, too, that we want to jump that. Like, all those want to be jumped at the machine. Yeah, that's right? mm-hmm. very important. We don't want to jump them at the stagehand. 
because right. because we we want that sensor to still be active and right. still be be registerable. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. When you know when connected to a machine that has it has that sensor. Yes. Um, so you have a Spotline V1 and you plug in a Stagehand Pro 5 into it. You don't necessarily have to buy a Spotline V2 at that very moment. We would right. encourage it, <laughs> but, but you yeah, also defi- can <laughs> get a cross-group jumper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right inside the J-Box. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a big shout out to you know everybody over at Cincinnati Playhouse, DW, uh, Sam and uh, Mike and, and the whole shop crew, as well as um, Phil and Josh, too, you know, hanging out, like busting their ass trying to get that building back open. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's awesome. Um, and the other thing to point out, too, is circling back a little bit to the, the problem with, that you ran into with the showstopper uh, base and the hubs and, uh-huh. all that and the can not working is that is something we should catch here in the shop. Mm-hmm. But but as you were able to prove out on site is if you have a short enough cable, you don't need that terminating resistor, which is how we have been testing them. So we have now adjusted the yeah, process yeah. to we now have hundreds of feet of uh, cable <laughs> <laughs> to test with yeah. so we can make sure we uh, flip that switch. Right. So, right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it was also, you know, yeah, it was like it was just it was. It was interesting that it was only the e-stop hubs right. as well. And so I think there was like, I think we had something in our checkout documentation that wasn't quite correct either mm-hmm. on the assembly, So, which has now been corrected. Yeah. Yeah. But, whew. Yeah. Just one thing after another. It was. New products yeah, it was are kind of, cool, but they're hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're cool, but they're difficult. Yeah. And it was, yeah, I mean, Chris, is your point, right? Like, you know, you're on site and, you know, it's like one thing and one thing and one thing and one thing. And it's like, none of them are big deals, but put all together. Oh, man, right. it can it's be a long day. <laughs> yeah. It can be a little challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think then, uh, Cody, I had pinged you about, about a thing that came up a couple of weeks ago on the tech support lines about somebody uh, about somebody who had modified a winch that they were using. So they went from the winch, instead of pulling cable off the drum, they had put a sprocket on the output shaft and did a chain stage like up to a batten. So like up to a dead hung battle or like the top of a fixed piece of scenery that was like 18 feet off the floor or something. Mm-hmm. And then that was running another chain stage that was going horizontally across the deck and yeah. it was running like like four or five uh flipper panels yeah and so each one was linked to the next one right so it was right. like so this there was like multiple chain stages it was coming off the drum and there was you know so there were like cable tension i mean uh, chain tension challenges but then also just like backlash across like five or six stages of the chain. Right. So they were kind of, you were getting this like, this like movement of these panels, you know, like the first one in the, in the chain started spinning first and sort of cascaded across the stage. Um, And then they were having challenges with positioning because their encoding was off of the winch. Right. Right off of the motor on the, on the machine. Um, And then we had somebody else too, who, who took apart, (laughs) It took apart uh to took apart a spotline and yep. put a a a sprocket on the output shaft and then ran a pivoting wall with it and right i mean i th- I see like on on both cases right like I can see I totally see the the path to making that as the 
you know, you've got these are the tools that you have in front of you. Mm -hmm. Right. So like totally understandable. um, But but I've got my motivator here and I've got something (laughs) that I need to spend. So like, how can I make it happen? Like, I think there's like some understandable level of resourcefulness trying to make that work. But then the challenges that yeah, the challenges that arise with positioning with like what gearing you've got, like, oh, my gosh, how fast do you need that thing to spin? Because it's going to spin like dangerously fast potentially uh right like a blender um (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i think it's it's an interesting challenge because like you know we do it sometimes internally with like custom gigs that come up where we've got you know hey we use these series of motors across our product line and we've got some sitting on the shelf can we make it work for x effect or you know whatever right uh yeah and and the answer is sometimes yes and sometimes is no. And it's the, the the fine lines of when that works and it doesn't work. I think it's it's tough. Um, I think for the first one that you pinged me about, Mike, it was like, you know, for the first panel, I mean, looking at the stages of what, you know, gearing ratios they had, it seemed like not that atrocious. But then once you get like from the first stage to the first panel flipper panel you're like okay that's fine and then all of a or you know not ideal but workable and then you get down and you're just fighting lash so you have this like like you said mike like this cascading level of slop yeah and then you're you know trying to position off the last one because it's the worst but really you've had like six different chain stages and a few different ratios along the way and we're encoding off of the back of the motor on the other side of the gearbox, right? Yeah. And, you know, because it's just, at that point, it has such very little relationship to, like, reality of how much that thing at the very end is spinning. Like, it's, yeah, you know, it's, it, yeah. yeah. I, I think the cascading circuits of chain stages is just really, I don't know that that will ever work. Uh, you know, if you had one chain stage that was extended and looped them in and tensioned or something, I think that do potentially slightly better. But the like amount of different closed loops of chain stages as you cascade across the set, I, you know, up to 40 feet away, 50 feet away yeah. like that. I don't know that that will ever work um, if if positioning matters, you know, right. <laughs> like right. or consistency often matters. It does. Yeah. 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 It, it kind of almost always does because if you have one flipper panel that is like yeah. fully closed and then as you go down the line, it's like, and this one's five degrees open and this one's 10 yeah. degrees open and this one's 15 degrees open and this one's at, you know, half open, that's yeah. going to be a problem. Um, now they, in that case, they, they ended up in between putting in some idlers to try and suck up some of the, you know, some of the, the slop in there and the, the mm-hmm. backlash and that they they had some improvement it wasn't perfect but they got closer um yeah. and i think it was like yeah it was i mean it's a tough one right you know i think in the end i think the last email that i got from them that we the last communication that we had was you know that they had gotten it they had gotten it to work okay and i think that they had added a second machine like a second mm-hmm. motor right so that they have the number of panels that, that were being yeah. operated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which got it, you know, which probably got yeah. it that and some tensioning and some other stuff, you know, but just like a bunch of work um, to get there. Yeah. That one was a tough one. Cause it's like, you know, 
that's so many stages. Like at that point, you almost want to have like a rigid link or something across, and then you're running the like gear linkage just to like right. flip the ninety to one hundred, you know, eighty degrees that they need to do for that effect. Uh, maybe that would work a little better. Like you know, it's it's so tough to say with that specific use case. Yeah. Um, the second one that came up where it was like, you know, we have a spot line and we've you know taken the drum off of it and put on like, you know, a three to four inch diameter sprocket onto it. Cause that's the speed or maybe, I don't know. And then it had a, it, it stepped up, I think I'm trying to remember the photos that we saw, but to then center drive, like a pretty sizable panel on stage, like that became the center shaft of the, you know, rotating unit. Um, that one I think was, you know, was also interesting because it was, you know, we're still encoding off the backside of the motor on the spot line and then we're stepping through a gear stage and then we're trying to center drive, like essentially, you know, imagine a series of gear stages and then like a 10 foot drum that you're trying to spin accurately (laughs) at the edge like that challenging. Yeah. Like the encoder signal is, you know, on the backside of the motor and then it steps down through these series of gear stages that have slop and some backlash and you know each increment on your motor that's spinning at you know 1800 rpm mm-hmm. is trying to then move you know through a couple gear stages to then move your your pure actuator i don't know what it was but you know half an inch on stage at like a you know six to seven foot lever arm you're like ah like your one count means nothing to that inch on the other side of it because right. you're yeah you're too far away you're too far away you're too far removed because you're trying to move the motor you know less than a revolution or something you know like it's just yeah, yeah. you're not gonna get the right ratio um and so in that case i think they had tried to like grab a tr3 encoder and try to like kind of stick it to the ground yeah, and then actuate off of it as if it was like a you know a turntable or something. Um, yeah, just a dancer wheel on the deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is an interesting idea. I think that one you still end up with that amount of lash that happens between where the motor is like generating the torque and where you're trying to spin. That it's just too coarse to actually get good motion because you're going to be spinning back and forth trying to close your loop at the motor. And getting nothing on the other side of it so that you just right. you just don't have enough tight control on the thing yeah. that actually matters, which is where the panel is spinning. Right. Right. And I mean, I think even, you know, it kind of goes also down into this like kind of bonkers question of control method, too. Right. Right. Because like it's fine to have fancy control method mm-hmm. and you could run it in closed loop if you had two encoders or mm-hmm. if you didn't, you know, weren't mm-hmm. looking for the position or sensorless vector. But I mean, in that case. This is like, I don't know, man. Go to 20. Quad nines on everything. Volterps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just go to Volterps. True Volterps. And, um, and yeah, and, and go. And that's going to be the best, you know, like that's probably your best bet. It's a, it's a funny path to get in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But, because I think even in that case, if they would have gotten an encoder between, like, roped into the chain stage outside of the gearbox, you know, because it's doing a 20 mm-hmm. to 1, roughly 20 to 1 in the motor, and then it steps through. And then there's another reduction between the drive sprocket and the center drive sprocket. You're like, you know, anywhere, 
you know, the 21 is a pretty big ratio that it's doing. And then, you know, just cutting down in between them would be fantastic, you know, (laughs) Um, but with something more rigid, like a sprocket or something, you know, tied to that, like tightly tensioned mechanics, as opposed to on the edge of that big lever arm with a, you know, kind of dancer wheel on the deck. Cause everything you bought out by being closer to the thing you're trying to measure, you lose with the sloppiness in the series of gear stages. Right. And that big lever arm on that unit. Um, So I don't want to say it's a don't ever do that, but it is a, if you do that, (laughs) you're going to have challenges to overcome. That's right. Yeah. Challenges to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. And really thinking about that, the PPR of the encoder that on the backside of the motor and thinking about, that signal as it passes through all of those gear stages to then the thing that you care about. I mean, just, you know, quickly punching that into a, you know, calculation to just go, Oh yeah, I guess the difference between one to two counts on the encoder is two to three inches up on the rotation on the end of that unit. I see why that's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be really, really hard to control that motor that tightly. Yeah. Reliably. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it seems like a few folks had tried it kind of in a short period of time and it was like, ah, you know, yeah, it's very funny how, like how the tech support goes in this, like these like waves. Yeah. Like a Mm -hmm. handful of, of the same challenge or very close to the same challenge. Right. And then, and then it's, then it goes, then, then those aren't there anymore for months, maybe a year. (laughs) Right. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, everybody's got a turntable challenge this week. And yeah, and the same turntable challenge. Yeah, <laughs> right. Very similar right. turntable challenges. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. It's a but, it, but it's funny that there. You know, we did have a couple, a couple of these that came up out like within days of each other. I think mm-hmm. the first, yeah. you know, between the first and the and the second one. So, Oof. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's also one of those issues that in this particular case, it's not like a hey, make sure you check X parameter. It's like a, it's a real fundamental sort of like yeah inception of the design sort of thing you know of that machine it's um, hard that's to very change hard. high parameters to make it better yeah yeah to come in at the end and say like well your initial conceit of what the machine is 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 should be different like that's pretty yeah you know usually when you're in tech trying to make it work that's not super you know it's not the right answer yeah. well, well it's a, we don't it, i think it's the right answer it's just a really a, well okay, it's not the yeah. answer you want to hear uh yeah. if you're on the other side right of it. it's not the answer yeah. we like to give for sure um because that's always tough of like hey can you guys hop on a call with us and help us figure out our problem and then it's the wrong machine yeah <laughs> just yeah a, it's, yeah is it yeah is it thoughtful yeah is it like fundamentally a big challenge to get to the other end of what it is right now well we had already said it but we're going to be usitt yes Yes. To bring up more exciting things. So I hope if you guys are there, if you're joining, please swing by booth 339. Yeah, we're showing off uh, the new spotline we've been talking about, the new stagehand we've been talking about, the new spike mark we've been talking about, mm-hmm. the new pendant we developed, the new pivot. Oh, yeah. The, or, yeah, pivot. Yeah, pivots uh, there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I always get confused between pivot and revolver and uh, rotator. I always mix the two up. They're very different, yeah, but I are. always mix the two up. They're different by yes. at least two hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and the motor. Yeah. And the uh, amount of input power you need. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we're showing off lots of new stuff. Yeah. I'll be mm-hmm. there. Cody will be there. Mike will be there. 
Harry will be there. Pete will be there. Bo will be there. Nicole, Nicole Gareth. Yeah. yeah. It'll be a, it's the full complement. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll be there. And, yeah. And we got we'll, a couple. We're, we're doing some sessions too. Oh, yeah. Cody, um, right? You and Harry are doing one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, when is yours? Yours is, yours is cool. I'm looking forward to seeing it, right? Isn't it? Oh, when is it yeah. Again? What's it about? Uh, it's on, I think it's on Saturday. Yeah. It's on Saturday. I think around noon. Um, I, yeah, double check the listing because I, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, Harry and I are doing it. He came with an awesome name. It's like Fellowship of the Slip Ring. So it's all about, yeah. um, slip rings and uh using them in automation um to you know get get power through a spinning uh effect um from all the way down like the prop side stuff all the way up to you know giant turntables and things like that so um yeah so that'd be fun and then i think nicole's got one yeah nicole and i are doing one about talking about like like the basics of of, like you want to add automation to your show like what what should mm-hmm. you consider, right? Like, oh, what are mm-hmm. the big points to think about, right? And so, and I think that's on Thursday at uh, 3.30. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and I think uh, Nicole came up with the idea, and I think it's very cool to, you know, kind of answer, uh, hopefully hopefully it's going to be cool, yeah. you know, and, and help answer the, help answer these kind of recurring questions for, you know, first-time automation Right, it's like folk. I want to add it. I've never done it before. I want to add it. What kind of things do I need to be concerned about? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do I think about mm-hmm. these things? I'm going to do a show with the turntable. What do I need? How do we get there? You know, yeah. we know we want the turntable. Now what? Yeah. What now questions what? should I ask? What things yep. should I be prepared for? Yeah. That sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think it should be, you know, I think that should be pretty cool too. I think, uh, you know, it's like, yeah. I think we're bringing a good compliment of like, uh from the your guys's presentation is going to be like largely like very wide of like you know come on in and let's do some automation and then some real nerds are going to show up to (laughs) we're prepared for it and we're excited about it (laughs) yeah yeah um but yeah oh and uh i should say we've got some brand new merch coming uh swag really it's not really merch (laughs) we're not selling it uh yeah some new swag some new shirts yeah they're pretty cool yeah i'm partial i'll let others give reviews i designed them so um you know be gentle so they all suck (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh yeah Yeah, it was a pretty cool concept that uh the the, uh, that you came up with that i think people are gonna like yeah yeah I don't know how much to give away, but you'll see them. Or, I was about to say it, and then I was like, well, uh, you have to come. You have to come yeah, and uh, find yeah. out for yourself. There's three different flavors. So, you know, yep. if you, w- you like have like a fake mustache or some big glasses, I bet you can get all three. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. So, yeah, yeah I think it's going to be a fun trip, fun time. And the yeah, booth it's is in St. Louis too, which is uh, I haven't been since. Big for I, you, right? Yeah, I haven't been since I graduated uh, from Webster University. I think what was that, twenty fourteen? So yeah, it's been a while. Oh, oh, geez, almost ten years. Ooh, yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited to go to St. Louis. I was a freshman in college in twenty fourteen. Oh, both oh. of you can shut the fuck up. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. So. Oh, it should be good. Yeah. Well, that's it for us, everybody. Uh, 
thanks for listening. Um, come check us out at USITT. Uh, we'll catch you next time. See ya. Bye. See ya.